Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 208. Brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, everything is delicious. I appreciate you asking. I'm The Eagles are playing the Browns, and yeah. I'm like, this is bad. And then I realized <laughs> after the Seahawks beat the Cardinals last night, and all the Seahawks beats were like, and they have the Eagles next week. I was like, oh my God, thank God we're playing the Browns. This is like I this at least this will just be bad. Like this will just be not good. Eagle yeah. Seahawks are gonna be something special. So and it's probably gonna it's probably gonna go to overtime because why not? The Seahawks like to make right. it interesting. The exact sort of nonsense game the Eagles would win would be Seahawks. Exactly. I mean Arizona almost won that game too. On third down, they were in double China seven, and Isabella was open early in that route, and Murray was late to it. And it he was, was. I mean, off. he also had pressure directly in his face, and Isabella also went to catch the football as if he were me. That's true, but I'm saying the Seahawks like you know yeah. their defense, and then of course Dunlap comes through with the sack who they just signed, yeah. which was We're going to go them. a whole week talking about how the Seahawks can't cover anybody, and then the Eagles are going to make them look... I mean, it looks pretty solid in the secondary against Arizona, yeah. but the Eagles are going to make them look great. Yeah. I mean, they're also, like, doubling... Like, people are asking, like, why no why no more Hopkins? Like, they were doubling them. They, <laughs> they can't cover that man one-on-one. Anyway, all right. That's... We, we could do a whole show a about not preview, the Eagles. Yeah. A preview of the preview. Yeah. So let's get into it. So today we're going to preview the Eagles matchup with the Cleveland Browns. First up, let's get to the injury report that was just released. We're recording this 4.30 p.m. on Friday. The Eagles released this. Uh, First of all, did not participate on Friday. Rudy Ford, hamstring, mostly a special teams guy. No big deal. Actually, had a really nice special teams play in the uh, the game with the Giants. Limited participation. There's one guy. Offensive tackle Lane Johnson with a neck. Obviously, he's still dealing with the the ankle as well, but that seems to be better, thankfully. Uh, full participation. There is four guys: Sean Bradley with an illness, John Hightower with an illness, of course, linebacker, wide receiver there. Uh, defensive tackle Fletcher with some rest, and Jason Peters with also rest. given a rest day. So, I mean, the injury report is starting to really lighten up, and they're getting guys back and everything like that. But they're they've also got some COVID stuff to deal with. Obviously, the the wide receivers have been hit by it. That's of little consequence. But passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach Press Taylor, also wide receivers coach Aaron Moorhead, uh, due to COVID nineteen protocols, 
They will not be at the game on Sunday. Basically, their responsibilities are going to be assumed by other players on the staff, according to this official release by the Eagles. Uh, watch the Eagles offense not be affected by that positively or negatively at all. And of course, there is some COVID news, some injury news from the Browns as well. And for that, we go to our local wow. Cleveland reporter on the scene. Benjamin I get Solak. to do an injury bit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, are you promoting me? Yes, yeah, the new bit. Yeah, no, the uh, so the Browns just today, as we're recording this Friday the 20th, placed uh, Miles Garrett, who is unquestionably their best player uh, on the reserve COVID list. And in that he was just placed on the list, he will be unavailable for the game against the Eagles, which I guess this is the most impactful player on that defense and on that whole team. Uh, so Garrett is on the list. They also have uh, Jack Conklin and Chris Hubbard, two of their tackles. Cody Parkey, a familiar name to the yeah. Eagles, uh, their their place kicker, and their fullback, Andy Janovich, 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 on, uh, on the COVID list. They're hopeful that they can get Conklin and Parkey back if they get negative tests on Saturday, but that's something we'll kind of see as it goes through. Uh, and then they have Mac Wilson, their linebacker, and Wyatt Teller. Uh, questionable for the game. Teller is banged up. Like, he missed the last three games with injury and then he played uh last week against houston and i think that he's just questionable because he's still kind of getting back but i would expect that he plays yeah. joel batonio and jc treader their guard in their center as well and that offensive line are also like listed as questionable but it's mostly just like you know attrition of the season sort of thing so we should expect all of them to play should expect mac wilson to play but garrett uh the big name missing the game because he's on the covid list so i mean it's as everybody knows that it, it, you know COVID-19 is rising throughout the country and it's, it's getting worse everywhere in the league is obviously uh, installed more intense protocols. Uh, you know, the Eagles were all not at the Novacare complex this week. And this is kind of, it looks like the nature of the end of the season is that pretty much every game is going to be at least in some way affected by COVID-19 absences. Yeah. And the Eagles, like you're kind of alluding to there, aren't the only team affected by this. Plenty of other teams dealing with the same type of issues either at one point in the season or another. So you know, it's up to the Eagles on, on how they deal with that and, and prep for this game. And obviously they need to uh, really prep this bad boy up because they look pretty terrible right. against the Giants. And I just spent, you know, an entire show with Mark Schofield earlier today on the QB factory uh, lamenting about all the different problems with this Eagles offense. So we'll, we'll, we'll start on that side of the ball. And uh, first, we'll, we'll go to the official line is uh, the Browns are favored by three points. The over-under is at 47 and a half. So what Vegas is saying, 25-22 for the Browns. We'll get into the over-under on that 22 in a minute here. But uh, Ben, since I spent so much time talking about the problems on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles and the QB factory, I'm going to pitch it to you and kind of see where you are with your expectations against what this Eagles offense can do against a, a Cleveland defense that now, especially missing Garrett, was already average to begin with, right. you know, both pass defense, DBOA, rush defense, DBOA, scoring, all that stuff. Re really nothing frightening there. Uh, I, I do notice that Andrew Sandejo is playing there, and I, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention something about him. Yeah, he's pretty frightening. Yeah. He scares me. <laughs> he's Not giving as a talent, <laughs> but just as a person. He's giving up something like a 135 quarterback rating when he's targeted. Uh, Duke Johnson just bulldozed him last week, which was fun to see. You know, I was looking around Brown's Twitter to see what they were saying about him and I, I saw like Sandejo with capades and like all, all this different stuff. He he is there, Nate Gary, as far in terms of like the, the fan base is united in showering him 
in hate. But I did want to mention that, Ben, uh, your thoughts on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles. Yeah, so you're looking at, right, a Cleveland defense that you said about average uh, uh, with Miles Garrett on the field. And Miles Garrett's currently one of your two, maybe three front runners for defensive player of the year. Yeah. Uh, if you are a subscriber to uh, Brandon Thorne and his new Substack for Trench Warfare, which I recommend for everybody who's been on the feed before, he's a great follow. Yeah. Brandon has a metric called a, a true sack. Oosh, right, 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 TSR. I know it's TSR, but it's I realized right, that I did not know the last word. It's it's true sack rate. We talked about it on the QB factory and like his true sack oh, did rate you? is crazy. I haven't listened yet, to be honest. I'm only like halfway through. To, to your point, like his, so he, he rates them like these different sacks, right? So if you get a sack against a quality left tackle, it's clean, you beat them and it's like, you know, within three seconds or he doesn't time it, but he's, you know, pretty quick and clean then that's like a high quality sack. If it's a cleanup right. sack, if it's Derek Barnett working against the tight end, whatnot, they get, you know, it's not as high quality. D- Miles Garrett is producing a high quality sack once every 55, 56 snaps. The next best person is right. like at 105 or 109, like Joey Bosa, like that type of area. That's it's bonkers how much he is winning clean with these high quality sacks, dude. Yes, it's disgusting. And also, I, I you know, we would be remiss if we didn't mention who's fourth on that list in high quality sacks rate for uh for you know pass rushing now. It's Derek Barnett. Right. Uh, so shout out Derek, who obviously we've talked about the quality of his sacks previously <laughs> on this podcast. But wait, so when you lose Garrett, defensively what changes? Probably blitz rate. Yeah. I think maybe you bring more pressure. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, so the, the Browns are a, a, a defense coordinator. First year, uh, Joe Woods. And Joe Woods is a name that, that probably doesn't ring for everybody. He's uh, been around everywhere. He was with Denver for a little bit under uh, uh, Vance Joseph. And then he was last year with San Francisco coaching their defensive backfield with Robert Sala. They like to be too high. They like to play drop seven in zone. They like to play quarters. They don't want to be a blitzing team. It's very much so how it worked in San Francisco. So Cleveland's not particularly high in blitz rate. They don't have a ton of really successful blitzing players. I mean, if you look at their linebacker room, where you've got guys like BJ Goodson, Sion Takitaki, and Mac Wilson are kind of their three primary backers. None of those guys are high-quality blitzer. Uh, Safeties-wise, Andrew Sandejo is probably their best blitzer. Uh, you know, Carl Joseph, they'd like for him to be uh you know maybe that potential like kind of money backer nickel linebacker coming off the edge um but carl joseph's been banged up he hasn't played for the last few weeks so i I, maybe him but they don't really have a ton of guys to blitz and they also don't have a ton of defensive edge depth uh you know the other starter opposite gary is olivier vernon and as everybody knows you know especially eagles fans familiar with the giants vernon's much more so a run defending defensive end than he is a pass rusher uh behind him adrian glayborn joe jackson it's not really a it's not like there's like a young, exciting dude or anything. Defensively, you don't, and this is such a stupid statement, you don't have a way to replace Miles Garrett. There's nothing you, you can do with, with this Without sacrificing scheme, something. With, with, yeah. yeah, with these other guys. Right? There's no, there's no, you got nothing here. And obviously, like, I don't think there's any scheme or any depth threat. Big, oh, Miles Garrett, well, we'll just do this and it'll be the same. <laughs> and then offensively for the Eagles, what changes? Nothing really. Mm-hmm. I mean... They're going to play Jason Peters at left tackle again, from what I understand, mm-hmm. right? The hope is that Nate Herbig is, is playing for this game and that Isaac Sayamalo is being activated off IR, which is expected for Saturday, which probably means you're going to play Peters, Sayamalo, Kelsey, Herbig at right guard, and then Lane at right tackle. Maybe you were going to help Peters against Garrett, but the I, the whole idea behind playing Peters instead of Mylotta is that like Peters is better right now. So I think they probably would have... 
left him. I mean, they haven't really helped him that much this year, and he's been struggling. So I, I don't think it's going to change anything game plan wise. It, it's just you you obviously like that's probably one to two sacks that aren't going to end up, you know, sacks. <laughs> that's that's four to five pressures, four right. to five QB hits that aren't there. So it's very, very impactful for, for Carson Wentz, who obviously has struggled under pressure, struggled managing the pocket so far this year. But it's interesting. Usually when we, we have a really big injury, you talk about how this is going to affect scheme-wise. And the thing with Gary is because he's so ridiculously good, there's really nothing the Browns can do defensively to adjust for his loss. Maybe blitz a little bit more. And there's nothing the Eagles were going to do to neutralize him anyway. You're just going to kind of live with him being dominant. So the kind of on paper, things stay the same. It's just the Browns lose their top playmaker on that side of the ball. Looking at the blitz rate to give that more context, you know, the, the Browns were with Greg Williams, Steve Wilkes, you know, 2018, 2019, yeah, yeah. very blitz heavy guys. They were they were within like the 40 to, to high 30 range percent for, for blitz rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season, they're closer to 20. They're also getting a much higher pressure rate because, I mean, they don't have to. It's it's Miles Garrett out there, but and yeah. And they have Sheldon Richardson as well. Where that, do you where are you getting your pressure rate for this year? I was looking at I was looking at um next gen. I think that's probably a little bit outdated from the graphic that I'm looking at. I was able to find. Oh, you found close. it on Twitter. Okay, yeah. There's yeah. no good like I know weekly updated blitz rate. It drives me nuts. So yeah. I just make bold claims. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Browns don't blitz that much. Don't worry about it. I've watched football. It's such it's such a big gap between like the, the blitz rates that I'm confident mm-hmm. in saying that it, there's right, definitely, I believe myself. <laughs> definitely a shift in philosophy there. So when you look at the struggling Eagles offense and, and what they can do, are you scared of any of the matchups? Like last week we were talking about James Bradbury, how you want to avoid that. The Eagles obviously didn't take that advice in a key situation. I'm not mad about it still. Uh, but you have Denzel Ward, Terrence Mitchell on the other side. I think obviously Ward is the stronger quarterback. Is he somebody that you want to avoid? What do you think of picking on, you know, Rodney Harris? I, obviously, you know, Rodney Harris has been playing great, has been playing awesome. Uh, Sandejo is the guy that you really want to target because the guy is still playing in the 80s. When you look up those matchups, anything you want to avoid? I mean, I think there are obvious ones to exploit, but are you staying away from Denzel Ward, essentially? He's no. he's, like, he's like pretty good, but he's not like... Well, the thing is, like, the Eagles don't have enough success in the passing game to be like, all right, well, we're just going to stay away from Denzel Ward. And we're just gonna, <laughs> like, you know, if, if Denzel True. Ward is on Travis Fulgham, that's the only thing that's worked in the passing game at all this year. Right. So you can't... You, and and that, that requires some humility that I don't think the Eagles are, are going to have. Uh, when you look at the Browns and, and the way that they want to play defense, like I said, they're a quarters-heavy team. They really lack depth in the secondary. Uh, with Carl Joseph coming back from injury, Ronnie Harrison's going to remain their starter at safety. But Harrison, Sandejo, and Joseph all being on the field together in big nickel, which you should expect against 12 personnel, especially if Zach Ertz is back healthy for the first time this, this, you know, since his injury, that's probably one of the worst coverage trios and man coverage at safety. You're going to see in the league, mm. like Sandejo Harrison's okay. Yeah. Sandejo and Joseph is just, he's not, <laughs> this is not what these guys are built for, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, 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 that's not the strength. And so BJ Goodson, Sion Taki Taki is the starting linebackers. Neither of those guys are good coverage defenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, you should expect a heavy 12 personnel dose. You should expect a heavy condensed set dose. Under center play action is going to be a thing that the Eagles try to do. Malcolm, doesn't Malcolm Smith come in on some passing downs? He's pretty decent in, in coverage, though. Smith, wait, isn't Smith that? Is he the? Uh, is he the, like the first round pick from years ago? Who's now like kind of decent? No, he was a, he was a seventh round pick. He's the former Seahawk, right? Who am I thinking of? I don't know. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not thinking of Marcus Smith. I trust me. I'm not conflating them right now. <laughs> Could have sworn. 
You know, he was a seventh round pick. You're right. Okay, okay. Seahawks, yeah, so, Oakland, right. San Fran, Dallas, Jacksonville, yes. now we're Cleveland. Yeah. Malcolm Smith. I do appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. Malcolm Smith can play. But everybody else I talked about <laughs> can't cover with the Jack. So you're gonna you're gonna be looking for your pretty classic linebacker safety matchups, which for the Eagles are their tight ends. I, I it's tricky because then you're probably leaving two corners on the field. If you can get Kevin Johnson out there, like he's fine as their nickel corner, but he's not really played hmm. great football so far this year, and they have nobody behind him the eagles only good passing offense so far this year has been out of empty sets carson wentz is a bottom three epa per play passer in every single formation in the league except save for empty backfield yep. in which he's about average i would love for the eagles to run more empty with zacherts coming back they're not doing it uh, they're going <laughs> to continue to be you know they're, they're going to go back to their two tight ends in line passing game run the football out of that and I mean, they'll be successful running it. The run blocking has been great over the last few weeks. Um, but they're going to continue to pass out of heavier sets. They're going to continue to pass out of under center. And there, there's no evidence that they're going to change that up, despite the, how bad it's been for them this year. They're going to keep ramming their head into that wall. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be laborious passing game again. Uh, it's very clear that they're going to get Jalen Rager really, really involved. It's very clear that their priority in the passing game is to get Rager up to speed more so than it is to, to maximize Fulgham. Uh, so I think you, you're going to see, you know, low Alshon Jeffrey snaps like you did last week. And you're going to see heavy Ward, heavy Rager, heavy Fulgham uh, with Rager really being the focal point in the passing game. And man, Mike, Rager played bad against the Giants. He bad did. Football play. Bad, bad. Not good. Yep. Uh, listen, Aaron Moore had got some juice in the offseason. Early, and that's yeah. cool. Yeah. I, I haven't really seen uh, an impressive, like, I, I, I don't, it's not like Ward got better. It's not like Rager is improving as a route runner. Mm -hmm. And that's really your only, like Hightower has always seemed kind of unprepared and bad. Hightower's regularly made mistakes running. Ward's regularly made mistakes getting into his hot routes. Are we giving him credit for Fulgham? It's like a whole right. two weeks well, suspended. Like, nobody knows to whom to give, <laughs> to whom credit belongs yeah. when it comes to, to Fulgham and his just wild emergence. But like the Eagles two-point conversion attempt against the Giants. They tried to run Fulgham on like a fake slant flat route. Right. I, I, there's a name for it. I can't remember. It's like a whip route, but it's not actually a whip route. Right. I, it's just like there's this guy's good at a lot of things. It's not that change of direction is not one of them. Correct. Like You just don't need to be asking him to do this. <laughs> and, you know, the, the video that I put up about the Eagles having Rager to the near side against James Bradbury and, and Fulgham, wherever, you know, Moorhead has a as the wide receiver coach is a big impact as to which receivers are prepared for which positions and which given week and who gets out there. So like. I don't like I'm not I've not been impressed with Moorhead in the receiving room, but to, to bring it back to Rager, because mm. Rager's clearly gonna continue to be a five, six, seven target guy. I mean, they didn't target him deep at all against the Giants, save for that, you know, they try to get that back shoulder ball. Right. But they didn't throw him a single over the top, over the shoulder pass against the Giants at all. They have no idea how to get him open. Yep. On and they 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 with Hightower, they're just like, all right, go run, and then hopefully, you know, whatever. They want they they did target Rager on the one double cover third and ten, which you is, know, the one that he caught against Washington, which was just like a total throwaway. It's like a three man route concept. Yep. They have no idea how to how to get this guy to uncover anywhere beyond the line of scrimmage because right now when he runs his slants and his curls, he's not hitting his landmarks. He's not hitting them on time. The right. third and three rub route. Doug said flat out, you know, we need better plays from our our two young receivers, Fulgham being the pick guy and and Rager running the route. Fulgham, not perfect, but not prohibitively bad on right. the rub route. Rager was the one who did not know where he was going. So it's clear that they're going to continue to make him a big part of the game plan. 
But much like Carson Wentz, they don't know what to do with him unless it's really easy, quick, underneath, you know, kind of cheating yak stuff, right? The yeah. very, very simple stuff. And they, they can't figure out how to uncover him. So I think the passing game is going to continue to be extremely laborious for Philadelphia, exhausting for the Eagles. Uh, running game, this is the best the offensive line is going to be since week zero. This is the healthiest and the best it's been. And they've been running the ball great. They've been running a ton of different concepts. They've been blocking it excellently. Kelsey's definitely getting a little bit old, but yeah. like he's still a good run blocker. You know, uh, uh, Herbig, when he's out there, his best strength is run blocking. Even though he's not great in space, he can move people. I think they're going to be able to run the ball very well. I think we're going to get another game where fans are hoping that they do choose to run the football more. But and, it, 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 there's only so much you can do just trying to pound the ball on the ground, especially against the Browns. You're going to have six possessions, both teams, if everybody's running the football this much. Well, at David Collins 55 on Twitter asked me, he says, Michael Kist, uh, Doug Peterson says, we will use more of a committee at running back. And he goes, why? I uh, wanted to know why. <laughs> Look, guys, I, I don't I don't know who outside of Philadelphia thinks Miles Sanders is elite. It's a word that's been thrown around a lot about him around here. But like, I, th- I think we need to like recalibrate a little bit here. Guy's been banged up. He's only had 100 touches this year. So, I mean, that's reason enough to go mm-hmm. to the committee, try to keep him healthy, right? Keep him keep him on a workload. Number two, if you, number one, look at the film, and number two, use the analytics to confirm what you see on the film or, or challenge what you see on the film, Boston Scott is near or better than Sanders in yards after contact average, yards per route run, elusive rating, pass block wow, efficiency. Sanders and Carson Wentz literally have no idea how to execute a passing game this year. It's amazing. That's what I mean. Scott has been more effective in the passing game for sure. Sanders mm-hmm. has probably been slightly better, you know, in in the running game. I think that the stats and analytics all kind of bear that out. There's not that much of a difference. And if one guy's been banged up all season and the other guy is mm-hmm. nearly just as good, like running backs don't matter unless they're elite. Miles Sanders has not shown that he is elite and he's been banged up. So if the split goes 66-33 or 60-40, man, I don't care. Scott's good. Sanders is good too. I'm not saying he's bad. Right. But like it doesn't matter. I Right. So, okay. <laughs> we look at – so, it, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. I think firstly, I think the big thing with Howard specifically mm. slash with all backs who are not Sanders is pass protection. Right. Because when Sanders is in – it's infrequent that he pass protects. Mm-hmm. He's always given a check release. And when he does pass protect, there was like, you know, one great pass protection rep he had against Washington where I like freaked out. I put it on Twitter. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. He had multiple bad ones against the Giants. I mean, he, he, he completely blew a protection that, you know, like the Eagles were in no huddle. So it was a little bit unclear who could have been coming, but like he just did not check his peripherals. Mm-hmm. So he's not a good pass protection back. Boston Scott blows at least one pass protection a week. Yep. It's so rough. And I don't like, I don't know why or how, like, I think, I think Deuce has a little bit of like, a, I can make any back, back pass protect. Cause Staley used to be like a great pass protecting back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got a little bit of like a, a you know, just doing the want to and the know how physical. And it's just, <laughs> no, like you can't be asking Scott to do this. He's just not big. He had like a great pass protection pickup against Leonard Williams. That was like literally David versus Goliath. And it was like, this is so cool. Because he like barely got enough room for Wentz to make a throw. And it's like such a, yeah. you know, it, it's not the way that, that this back should be used. Corey Clement's supposed to be this guy. He was he at one been, point. <laughs> right. Corey's done nothing this year. I have no idea why Clement's still on the roster. Yeah. You bring in Jordan Howard. Howard 
at minimum, is large and knows where he's supposed to be. He's the smartest pass protector of the bunch. Correct. Offers zero, zero in the passing game except for blocking. Right. And that, and that alone is, is more than what you're getting from Sanders and you're getting from Scott and you're right. getting from, from Clement. Now, if Wentz and Sanders could get in the same book, in the same volume, in the same library in the passing game, let alone on the same page, they have no idea. Every time Wentz throws it to Sanders, he's just praying Sanders turns around at the spot he expects him to. And when Sanders actually turns around when Wentz expects him to, the ball is inaccurate. <laughs> and when the ball is kind of even catchable, Sanders drops it. It is ludicrous yeah. how bad the Wentz-Sanders connection has been. I, like, I think Wentz's least accurate passing target this year has been Sanders by catchable ball rate. Yeah. And this is his running back who is running like two-yard routes. It is absurd i we, we asked seth galina of pff like hey check downs for for once what do they look like the the completion percentage on those were crazy and i honestly think like most of the incompletions are to miles sanders right. how did that connection fall apart so much from last year when it looked pretty doggone good to this year where he's only he's well, even, i mean like, like even go back to last year's seattle game there was some the weird whole stuff thing was like he couldn't hit sanders on a flat he couldn't hit sanders on the screen like when Wentz starts to spiral yeah the first thing that gets bad is his checkdowns right 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 because he's just like ah freak out and then he's just like yeah zips it, and he like you know like not knowing where the guy's gonna stop it's all it's total nonsense a complete mess if those plays were working pass protection in the backfield wouldn't matter as much correct because you could just dump it off of whatever so the eagles desperately need like, to figure out how to get a sixth guy involved in pass protection that is not a tight end because they want to get their tight ends out into the concept that's Mm -hmm. that's the whole thing with their their tight end room so i think that has a lot to do with howard with sanders and like actually running the football there is no doubt that as a running back uh, in the class of of running backs in the league sanders is one of the best athletes yep decision making footwork and vision remains a bit of a a, you know it's i think it's better but it's obviously still we're still getting there and you know scott for his sake knows what he's looking at and makes good decisions. And, and like the yards after contact, like I don't know, Scott's sample size is really small. I, I think Sanders is, is more talented runner. Me too. I don't think, yeah, I, I think that Sanders is going to continue to be a lion's share of the running, like the handoffs, but snaps wise, I think they're going to try to figure out what they're doing in pass protection and with their, their uh, pass catches with their check releases. Cause every Wednesday Sanders target is now a complete waste. <laughs> And that's my read on, on the running back room and kind of the moves that they've made. With all that said, I'm furious that Jordan Howard is on the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't want to overreact to it, but I am irrationally angry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I did like a whole like tweet thing about it. And people that. were like, what are they really going to do with him? And I was like, I don't know. It's probably it's fine. I think it's really OK. <laughs> just but bit. it's just really fun to overreact to how bad this is because it's just annoying that he's back. And the front office has no idea what to do except for retread players. Yeah, honestly, doesn't matter all that much. And someone asked me like, hey, would you rather have you know this guy or that guy in on short yardage miles sanders has the best short yardage conversion rate on money downs of any of the backs on roster and that includes jordan howard because you know sometimes short yardage is just about burst and being decisive and just hitting the doggone hole jordan howard is like about as fast as a dump truck right now so i don't know we'll we'll see how they decide to split those snaps we'll appropriately freak out about it in the reaction show i'm sure sure we'll get a bunch of three he's words on the practice it. squad for right now yeah so right. he's not even like yeah you know he's not gonna play this week but it's looking forward yeah yeah even, even just with the scott and sanders thing I, I don't think it matters that much all right let, let's get to the uh prediction here because we ran a little long there let's go uh 22 points for the eagles over or under i am gonna go under uh i have yeah. no faith in this offense to execute even with miles garrett out they have to show me that they're somewhat competent uh, before I, I buy them at all. 
Yeah, under on the team total for the Eagles for sure. Uh, one thing that we haven't really talked about as it's currently Friday, uh, so we don't, you know, we're we're looking at this out as it goes. But right now, Cleveland's expected uh, heavy winds and rain. Uh, it's going to be under fifty degrees, and it's going to be bad weather again for a Cleveland home game. You know, Wentz has the velocity to push the ball through the air. One of the whole things about him was like, oh, it'd be a good cold weather thrower. Yeah, he's a bad overall thrower right now. So even if <laughs> You know, the weather doesn't affect him as much. Yeah. Uh, I think it's still, you know, I don't expect him to just suddenly get better at throwing the football. Brown's passing defense isn't great, but neither is any defense the Eagles have played. <laughs> well, some, but against the bad defenses they've played, they've still been bad. They scored 15 offensive points against the Cowboys. I mean, come on. Yeah, there's no reason to expect him to score more than 20 points against any team. All right, so that's our study prediction on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles. When we come back here on the Kiston Solak Show, we'll flip sides to the defense. That's coming up next, right here on the Kiston Solak Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts And we're back here on the Kist and Solak Show, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. So we just had our sunny, sunny outlook on the Eagles offense. Let's flip sides to the Eagles defense. I guess the Browns offense, to do that, I'll kind of give an overview and some thoughts on the on the Browns offense and how, how I see them. I, I think kind of like with their defense. I mean, this, this is a pretty average passing attack, probably below average right now. And especially with no Odell Beckham Jr., the run attack is the real feature. They're seventh in DVOA in yeah. the run game, and that's even with missing the aforementioned Wyatt Teller and Nick Chubb for a stretch in the middle there. And we'll definitely talk about them more. They're third in yards per carry. And again, everything else is pretty average. Scoring, third down conversions, red zone attack. The red zone has been pretty nice for them this season, but that's also seen a dip recently. Uh, This offense doesn't necessarily scare me, uh, but I think they're capable of doing just enough while they beat the crap out of you in the trenches. I said it on Twitter, the Browns offensive line is just full of S kickers. If you've been listening to me on the SB Nation NFL show, you may have heard me 
swooning over Wyatt Teller at multiple points in the season. Good ball player. Yeah, right guard, missed a few weeks, but returned against the Texans, didn't miss a beat on the way to a 231-yard rushing performance for the Browns. Uh, he's been, in my opinion, at least from what I've watched, he's been the, the best guard in football this year. Better than Quentin Nelson, say it. Yeah, better than Quentin Nelson, for real. Like, yes, sir. He's been awesome. Dude is dominating, and the rest of the interior is playing well. J.C. Treader, uh, Joe Petonio, uh, also rookie left tackle, Jedrick Wills Jr. looks like a good one and has been impressive in his first year. Uh, right tackle, Jack Conklin, who, remember, is questionable on the COVID list because uh, his status is up in the air due to being in close contact with some outside pr- practitioner who tested positive, so he was a high-risk thing or whatever. Uh, thus, he's in the protocol, but... If he plays, that would be a big boost for them. It keeps uh, – Hubbard was the uh, the other one. The the other backup, if neither of them can go, is Kendall Lamb, who, if you remember, was a Texan when we previewed their game with the Eagles back in 2018. It was a deep cut. He was honestly the worst run-blocking tackle, overall tackle that I had studied that year. All this to say, uh, this is one of the best offensive lines from week to week that you'll see. Five runs of 10-plus yards in the fourth quarter against the Texans. That is dominance, buddy. That's how you close out – a game. Eagles are in for the fight of their life in the trenches, and we all know how things can go when the Eagles' defensive line isn't the headline of the game, isn't the wood chipper. It tends to fall apart for them. So, I mean, the Browns need to find out real quick that trying to block Brandon Graham in the run game with Austin Hooper isn't going to get it done. Hopefully, we get some negative plays out of that. Uh, one area where I think BG will do well is sniffing out those play-action rollouts to the backside where instead of crashing down, he'll get upfield and into the path of the boot. That's a big feature of the Browns passing game. Uh, those are two scenarios where J.J. Watt flashed in the, uh, for the Texans against them. I consider BG to be the same type of heady, experienced player that can take advantage yeah. of these situations with his old brain ball. But other than that, I mean, they've got a real fight in the trenches, and I think that's going to decide this thing, Ben. Yeah, no, it, uh, somebody, I can't remember who I tried to find the tweet, and I couldn't find it, but they said, interesting to see the Eagles' defense in a game in which – they won't have a significant clear advantage in the trenches. Right. Usually right. we're saying, hey, this is a defensive line eat you know, eat fest. Right. And and what what what's been our refrain for the Eagles defense this year? If they're gonna win, like, you know, this matchup, defense versus offense, then it's got to be with the defensive line dominant. Right. Right. The Eagles right now are second in pressure rate in the league, despite being a low blitz team. Don't check my numbers, we can't, as we discussed previously. Um <laughs> Second only to the Steelers. Um, right now, they're one of the highest uh, run-stop win rate teams in the league. Uh, when you when you look at ESPN's metric, Brandon Graham is the number one defensive end among all teams. And I think they are like top 15 overall in team run-stop win rate. Yeah. Uh, so their defense line is, is the, the big driver there. Cleveland is, I think, I want to say number one in run-blocking win rate. Uh, and they're number two in pass-block win rate. I know that for sure. Uh, so this is a situation where they do not have the advantage, especially with a healthy teller, especially with a healthy and available Conklin. Obviously, we've talked about on the COVID list. They don't have the advantage. Now, Kevin Stefanski, Philly kid, all right, <laughs> uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, the Many will remember him as the offensive coordinator of Minnesota last year. He replaced John DeFilippo, uh, led that, that Minnesota offense. A heavy Gary Kubiak influence, uh, a ton of wide outside zone. They've actually moved away from being a heavy zone run team. They're still a predominantly zone run team, but they're not a heavy zone run team. Right. Uh, this year, 
Bill Callahan, offensive line coach. He was the interim head coach for Washington last year. Uh, he brings with him, uh, you know, the same thing that Jeff Stoutland does, the ability to run everything. Uh, and so they run a lot of pin pole. They run a lot of true traditional gap counter power, right? Two back stuff. Uh, they have a fullback in Andy Yanovich, who again, on the COVID list, but he takes usually 15 to 20 snaps a game. They have multiple tight ends that they like to use. Austin Hooper, their big free agent addition, and then Harrison Bryant and David Njoku, their young guys to successfully block you both power and zone style running. Yeah. So it, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but when you look back at some of the similar running games, stylistically, heavy tight ends, using a fullback, use lot, utilizing outside runs, a lot of outside zone runs, these teams typically do very well against the Jim Schwartz defense running the football, right? So, I mean, last year with Minnesota, the Eagles played uh, this exact Kevin Stefanski <laughs> offense, gave up 22 carries, 108 yards, which is five yards a carry and a touchdown. Uh, this year they've played the Rams and the Niners, and they were good against the Niners, gave up 3.3 yards a carry and a touchdown. Of course, the Niners, as we know, were really banged up in that game. Uh, against the Rams, 26 carries, 120 yards, and another 4.7 yards per carry and two touchdowns. They played Green Bay last year, the Matt LaFleur running game, which is very similar, condensed sets. They weren't as tight end fullback heavy. Um, but but using that that kind of uh, Sean McVay approach, 33 carries, 176 yards, 5.3 yards per carry, and two touchdowns. They're not good at defending this running game. Correct. You want to know why, Mike? It's because the linebackers suck. Right. And this is where they, where this is where we're at. You know what I mean? Like you you're asking your linebackers to flow. You're asking your linebackers to read a ton of split flow. So tight ends and fullbacks and running backs moving one way, offensive line moving another way. So you're asking your linebackers to parse that information. It allows you to get outside on quick hitting stuff. You know when they had Odell healthy, they were running a lot of reverses and a lot of a lot of misdirection stuff off of Jet. And they don't do that as much now because they don't have that same yak guy. But they will do it with Jarvis Landry. They'll hand the ball off to David and Joku. You know what I mean? Like they are doing unique stuff to get on your boundary. And that's something we know the Eagles run defense really, really suffers for. Uh, since that Odell injury, it is interesting. Uh, you know, like I said, it's a heavy 21 personnel team. So that's two fullbacks and a tight end, a heavy 22 personnel team, two running backs, two tight ends. Since the Odell injury, you would expect them to lean even further into that mm. because you don't have your star wide receiver. They've actually become a heavier 11 personnel team. Uh, Richard Higgins, active now and Kaderil Hodge also healthy now uh so they've they went from about 40 percent of their snaps in 11 to now 50 percent of their snaps in 11 personnel since the uh Browns injury which is going from one of the or the Odell injury excuse me which is going from one of the lowest teams to about average when they do that though it's with the effort to get into bunch sets yes. and then just to get 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 down blocks get crack blocks and still get outside yep. of you uh and they've gone down in in 21 personnel they've gone down in 12 personnel since the Odell injury but they've gone up in 22 personnel so multiple tight ends and multiple running backs in the backfield and once again they're trying to play condensed sets to get outside of you so the theory is still the same they're just getting I mean Rashad Higgins and Jarvis Landry will block like those guys are mean dudes they're tough tough wide receivers um so they will again it's all about building that running game and then they'll get like I said uh split flow in the backfield and then they'll get cross flow away from you uh, passing concepts developing away from where their offensive line went, naked boots and rollouts for Baker Mayfield. And that's going to be, you know, Avante Maddox chasing Jarvis Landry all across the formation, trying to work through traffic. He's not going to have any safety help because Eagle safeties are bad and they don't they don't have the safety stay on the backside when they're in single high, uh, especially if they try to play man coverage against all of this. Then you're going to see a lot of catch and run stuff. Eagles defense is not built to stop this offense. Not uh, at all. 
they've they've never been good against these styles of running attacks and they're probably going to stay in man coverage even against these wide receivers and these tight ends it's gonna be three four linebackers out in the field if they if they do it the way they did with Alex Singleton as a down linebacker kind of on the line of scrimmage over the tight end which I'd like to see them do because it'll help them against the run you've got Davian Taylor taking snaps you're gonna have Sean Bradley taking snaps Uh, if they do multiple safety sets Jalen Mills and Will Parks maybe you're gonna get good coverage out of that over those tight ends that might be your best chance to cover them but even then it's tough to have a ton of faith there so yeah this is not the sort of team the Eagles have been successful defending under Schwartz even when the defense has been playing well you throw in the advantage the Browns have in the trenches and the fact that the defense has just not been good this year. And here you are. Yeah. The way I look at it, if I'm the Browns, you know, I'm working three-fourths of the field. I'm just letting Slay be out there in space. I'm not even going after him. I'm going right after the linebackers. I'm going right after those mismatches with Jarvis Landry, so on and so forth. Again, working it off the play action, which, like you said, they're bad against the run, against this style of defense. They start getting leaky, and they start having to commit to it a little bit more which right. the linebackers don't need any help with that because we know how fast the flow the Eagles linebackers are. I mean, they're going to be totally lost in space trying to robot these crossers and find tight ends and pick guys up that are leaking out late and everything. Yeah. It's just going to be a mess. This is the sort of game, and like I I, I try not to be tough on Rodney McLeod because number one, his life sucks, right? <laughs> like he has, to, he has to do so much in this defense. Yes. And number two, he's like not the problem with the Eagles defense. Right. There's problems like, oh, like, you know, he's he's... I don't think he's playing up to the caliber of his contract, but he's still, like, not the problem. Mm-hmm. But that said, like, this is the sort of game where if you had an impact center fielder, you'd notice it. Yes. Because he could take stuff away, and he could drive down on intermediate crossers. By the way, this is absolutely the sort of offense the Eagles will play inverted cover two against, and I will <laughs> want to shove something in my eyeballs. 100%. Because they, they want to funnel the coverage into the middle, yeah. Right. Whenever they want to bring McLeod down, they're yes. always, like, inverted cover two. This is absolutely the best way to do it. It's like, you could just be in too high to be fine. They played a little bit more too high than, than they usually do against the Giants with Jalen Mills. Like, they, they, they want to get Mills in a deep half, and I, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. But I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that against such condensed, uh, such heavy, heavy personal personnel because mm-hmm. you need an extra guy in the box so they're gonna go single high and that's why this offense is, is advantageous so mcleod stepping down intermediate crossers this is where like a, you notice how good a justin simmons is or a jesse bates is yes and and that you just don't have that player in mcleod to that point though like jesse bates every time he plays cleveland this year has played him twice you go to see and this is the the deep safety for cincinnati mm. you see his issues tackling because of how good the browns are at getting a safety or a corner to be the primary alley runner yes Listen, the Eagles' safeties and corners might be better tacklers than their linebackers. Right. right? Like we're talking about a lot of scheme, talking about a lot of, of, of high-level stuff here. Brother, like, TJ Edwards melted off of multiple tackles against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Like, he can get where he's supposed to go, and he's a staunch dude, and he can fight power with power in the trenches, sure, so on and so forth. He, he, he's struggling to tackle. Right. Alex Singleton cannot tackle, guys. Like, he, he is fast, and he'll hit, but he cannot wrap. Mm. So, like, even if you're getting guys in gaps, even if you are plus one in the running game, even if you are taking away the passing game in man coverage, Nick Chubb's going to mow down some dudes. Mm. Kareem Hunt's got some of the best contact balance in the league. Yes. So like even if you win this on the chalkboard, you just do not have the talent at linebacker to tackle these guys in the hole. Yep. So they're going to pick up dirty yardage. They're going to be able to run the football. Again, like bad weather leans very nicely into this script for the Browns. It's very hard to see, you know, like the Eagles avoid, like we've, uh, Jim Schwartz takes away the run. Yeah, this year they can't even do that because the linebackers are bad. Defensive line is not going to be able to dominate in the trenches. At least I don't anticipate it. So I think that the Browns are going to be able to enforce their well running the football. You're probably going to get a lot of pressure on Mayfield just because they're going to let the defensive line be so aggressive playing through gaps in the running game. It's what they always do. So, you know, Malik Jackson's going to shoot a gap. If it's a run, then he's in the gap. And if it's a pass, he's already going to be in the backfield. Yeah. But 
you're going to be able to throw quick game stuff. Mayfield's decently elusive. You know, you're going to be able to, to throw RPO stuff and, uh, you know, five-step rollout, seven-step rollout, get rid of that football. So there's a chance that, that the Eagles are so disruptive in the passing game that the Browns come one-dimensional, have a couple turnovers. But to me, I just do not see, with the way the Eagles' defense is constructed and the personnel that they have, how they survive four quarters against a team this physical in the running game. Yeah. It's difficult to imagine. You mentioned how good the Browns are at getting that alley defender, right? That one guy. Isaac gotta... Samalu officially activated. Sorry, breaking news. Okay, go ahead. Awesome. Samalu, solid solid. No, you were about to make a good point, though. Yeah, so the Browns are really, really good, You and you alluded to this, at getting a safety or a corner on the edge or in the alley of where the run is going. They want their running back against that safety. They want the running back against that corner. Remember Rodney McLeod last week when he had the old Oklahoma drill? Against Daniel Jones, we mentioned McLeod being solid. McLeod's bugaboo kind of throughout his career, he's always been a hit or miss kind of tackler, right? And right. you're there'll really... be a, there'll be a, a player or two where he'll chop Nick Chubb down at the knees, and right. you'll be like, "Yes, sick, good stop." And then there'll be another player or two where he goes <laughs> to do that, and it does not work. Yep, one hundred percent. The other point I wanted to make there, you you mentioned it. Would you? I I said that Wyatt Teller is the best guard in the league this year. Would you would you agree that that Jesse Bates is the best safety in the league this year? Best free safety. Nah, Simmons is playing outside yeah. of his melon, Mike. Oh man, I watched that Chargers Broncos game a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I was I was like, Mayor, you gotta come see this kid. And Mayor was like, I do not care. And I was like, Yeah, you're a good point. <laughs> good point. Uh, but like, listen, and I was really big on the whole like I love Simmons. Uh, uh, Jesse Bates has been playing great. Bates has got. The ball production, too, even better than yes. Simmons has had through the first couple years of his career. I think Bates is a tremendous middle fielder. Oh, my gosh. When he was playing the Chargers, he took Mike Williams' hat off. Yes. And it was not legal, but it was nuts how fast he is. He is so physical. But he's not a great tackler. Yeah. Simmons. I mean, like, okay, maybe you're not getting the extra three pass breakups, the extra interception. I but know that matters. Yeah. But Simmons is so smart, man. Yeah. Oh, I love him to death. De- Bates is, under- is more underrated than Simmons is. Yes. Everybody, like... Like for the past two, three years, we've been doing the Justin Simmons is underrated thing. It's like, no, he is properly rated now. Everybody knows he's good. Well, he got he got the contract. He was about to hit the market and everybody watched him, yeah, including yeah. me. And I was like, holy crap. And I think everybody yeah. had that moment back in like February, March. We're like, holy crap. I hope this guy hits the market. If since he had better defense overall, more people would know how good Bates is. True. But Bates is... Bates is and, and also Bates probably wouldn't make the same number of plays because he's so often doing stuff linebackers should be doing, but they just can't get in their gaps in time. There's a little bit of a, a you know a two headed monster there, but yeah. I I think that that Bates is playing really good ball. I think that should be acknowledged. But oh, Justin Simmons. Okay. Okay. Third round pick. You, you, your average Eagles fans pines after DK Metcalf. I pine after Justin Simmons. Same. Man. Yep. Man, it should have had him. It's okay. Don't worry. Kayvon Wallace is getting special team snaps. Cool. Cool. Good deal. Yeah, yeah, good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. <laughs> we had to bring it back around to the Eagles after we do our side. I imagine those asides are going to happen more and more as we go throughout uh, this season for the Eagles, and we just don't want to talk about it. But uh, let, let, let's do the final prediction here. So we said under for the Eagles at 22. Remember, the, the line is uh, three for the Browns. They're favored by three. Over under is 47 and a half. We said under for the Eagles at 22. Vegas is saying it's going to be 25-22. You over or under 25 points for the Browns offense. I'm I'm still under. Yeah, I think it's uh, going to be a slog. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, bad weather. Quick game. A lot, a lot of running the football. If you can put together a 12-play drive where you run the football and you score on it and you get seven, congrats. The Eagles defensive line, we said, is at a disadvantage. They're good enough to like, get a first and 10 run into second and 12, and that's going to kill some brown drives. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. They'll win enough reps, I think, to, to turn sevens into threes, to force punts. It'll be a heavy field position game, which we know the Eagles absolutely got decimated on with the Giants. Yep. So to me, this... 
if I bet this game, I will take the overall under. Yes. Uh, I might just take the Eagles team under, actually, but the overall under is probably what I'll go for. Uh, and, like, yeah, to me, this reads, yeah, like, you know, 19 to 12, you know, just garbage, missed extra point. Especially if Parky doesn't play, like, it's going to get weird. Oh, I like Eagles that. are going to go for two at a stupid time. We're all going to tweet about it as if that's what matters, <laughs> how the fact that the team is terrible, you know, it's just like that that sort of garbage. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a low team. It's going to be low scoring. Nobody's going to enjoy watching the game. Eagles will be 3 6 and 1. I'm going to go with uh, 20 to 9 for, <laughs> for the Browns. Uh, Eagles score a touchdown, missed the two point conversion there. And then kick a yep. field goal, and that gives them nine you points. You know, we were close. We just we executed on a couple more plays. You know, we had third downs. <laughs> yeah, I asked him about third downs, and then he's like, well, you know, yep. we got to execute on thirty on, on early downs. Yep. Hey, Doug, why don't you tell us why you're not executing on early downs, bud? Let's just change the question. Yeah. No, it was my absolute best <laughs> quote of the week was, you know, we were in a lot of third and longs. Like, yeah, you want to know why? Because you suck on first and 10 and second and 10. Right. That's it's, not it's a not good not, excuse. Exactly. It's like, oh, only 33% of our plays did poorly. Nope. 100%, my G. That's why you were in the bad third downs. <laughs> oh, man. So that's going to do it for our preview of uh, this upcoming game. As you can tell, we're not real hopeful for the uh, prospects. I mean, hopefully the Eagles can surprise us and they do that whole rallying with their backs against the wall nonsense. Or maybe they'll wait a, a few right. weeks before the uh, NFC East right. is, is really I was glad to say, up. like, the, the official pivot time for the Eagles is nearing, right? Yeah. Like, the Eagles are definitely bad now. But under Doug Peterson, by the time, like, we're, we're almost out of November here. Mm. And what that means it's about time the Eagles start playing just good enough to win games but not actually well enough to enjoy watching yeah let's take that hand away from the fire all right let's take it take it away from the stove doug let's let's get her done ben uh anything else say goodbye to the gentle listeners whatever you want to do here uh yeah no well i'd like to make a promise okay at at the end of this recording i'm gonna stop the recording (laughs) i'm gonna export the file it's gonna work i'm putting that into writing audio into uh, waveform and I mean, if it doesn't work, no one will know. It doesn't export anyway. Um, but no, we're going to get this preview show out. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the preview show, which comes out weekly and has never missed an episode uh, here on the Kiss and Solak Show. We appreciate you coming by. This was the Eagles-Browns Week 11 preview uh, Sunday at 1 o'clock. Ugly weather, ugly game. Going to be a ton of fun to hate, watch, and tweet about. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter, at MichaelKistNFL.KSD. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K. Mike, you think? Hmm. Are, we have to read reviews here. So you think maybe if the Eagles beat the Browns, mm. we'll do a review reading segment. I think that'll be the deal. Does that sound good to you? Special incentive. I like that. Yeah, let's yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if the Eagles win, that'll suck. We'll all be sad. <laughs> but yes, the, the silver lining will be that we'll do, we'll do a little re- read re- review read segment on one of our next shows. So uh, if you want to get those reviews in, this is, may be your last chance to do so. Uh, I already said who he is. I already said who I am. We will catch you in the immediate wake of the Cleveland game uh, and the post-game show. Thank you so much for listening. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Fly.